One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 44. Let me know if any of this sounds familiar to you. Maybe you have something on your to-do list that has been there for months or more, and the deadline just keeps moving back. Or you tend to meet every deadline for projects where other people are involved, but when it's just for you, you flake out. Or maybe you started the new year with a whole list of plans and goals and intentions only to fall off the wagon in the first week or two. If any of this sounds familiar, you are going to want to listen carefully to this episode. It is really, really good. My guest today is Wendy O'Bairn, also known as the Completion Coach. Wendy is a mindset coach and mentor who helps people change their lives and get stuff done. Here's a fun fact. I found Wendy because I knew I wanted someone to come on the podcast and talk about this problem that many of us experience, the problem of not finishing what we start. So I literally Googled the completion coach and what do you know, stumbled upon Wendy. I explored her Instagram and her website and knew immediately I needed to invite her on the show. And I'm so glad that she accepted. In this episode, we talk about what stops us from finishing what we start. What practical steps can we take to actually follow through? Why many of us experience a fear of success, as counterintuitive as that may seem. Why we procrastinate on the things that we know we want. How we can stay accountable when we work for ourselves. How to handle overthinking and more. As you'll hear in the interview, this topic is very personal to me. And our conversation really gave me a lot to think about and to implement in my own life. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Here it is. Wendy, welcome to Making Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to have you. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about how to finish what you start, which is something that I uh, struggle with a lot. And I'm sure I actually I know a lot of listeners do because um, one of the I have a Facebook group and when I when people join, they have to ask, they have to answer a couple of questions about what they struggle with. And this is a topic that comes up again and again, how to finish the projects that we start and not just kind of forever be starting new things and never completing them. So I'm really excited about this topic, but before we dive in, I would love to hear a bit of your story. Um, can you tell me and the listeners, what do you do now and what, what's your kind of path to get there? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Wendy, better known as the completion coach. And although people think sometimes that's all about completing on things, actually, it's about completing on old stories that actually get in our way from moving forward. 
Mm. So it's a lot to do with our perception of ourselves. And I've been doing this job for about five years now. And I got here through getting to the age of about 32 and realizing that I didn't know very much about myself. And a lot of the stories I I was running um, weren't true stories. They were really negative. They were having a huge impact on my behavior. Uh, and where I was going compared to where I wanted to be and how I felt about myself. So at the age of 32, that started and I'm 42 in March. So it's been a bit of a 10 year journey. So what was your, um, what were you doing professionally before you became the completion coach? I was a financial advisor for 10 years. I was a mortgage broker before that uh, and heavily in the finance world. And before that, the pub business world, I used to run um, part of a big chain of breweries oh wow interesting what is really interesting is i when i was looking for someone to speak on this topic i literally googled the completion coach because like that's those are just the words that came to mind for me and (laughs) I, i could not believe when i stumbled upon you and it just i felt like you were perfect for this topic so it's just a funny origin story for this this podcast interview. Um, so we're recording this in early December, but this airs in January, which is, as everyone knows, the time of year when many of us are kind of starting new big things and we have resolutions or just intentions for the new year, yeah. only to end up giving them up months later, which brings us to this question of how do we finish what we start? Do you have, is there like a short answer to that or is it... How do, how do you dive in to answer that question? It's a short and a long. <laughs> it's so individual, but it's by recognizing why you're going after what you're going after. So for most people for New Year, the typical things are giving something up or starting something that they think will make a change. And instead of going for the surface level answer, it's working out what you really want and why. And what is in your mind is a story as to why you can't have that at the moment. Uh, And then we're able to get into what we really want when we know what we truly want rather than what we say we want, because it sounds like a distraction and it's a lot easier to move forward and get out of our own way. But for most people, that might be New Year's resolution. The most typical one, especially for women, would be losing weight. Uh, And in reality, it's not about losing weight. For most people, it's about changing their vision on themselves and their self-esteem. Once their self-esteem changes, a byproduct of that might be that they take better care of their health. And a byproduct of that might be a change in their appearance. But realistically, the people that chase the appearance change are going after the wrong thing because they will feel the same even when their appearance changes. Mm -hmm. So it's getting clear on what you want so that you can enable yourself to know what it's going to feel like when it finishes. Mm -hmm. So let's take an example of um, like a small business person. A lot of the listeners here are makers, um, people who sell either like in shops or on Etsy or through their own sites. A lot of something that comes up a lot with small business makers is just kind of shiny object syndrome. Like always, Mm -hmm. you know, something comes up that everyone seems to be doing and uh, it's, it's easy to just kind of jump on that train and be like, oh, let me ditch everything I was doing and learn how to do reels and you know, figure out <laughs> how that can change my business. Do you have anything to say about this sort of like shiny object syndrome? 
again, it's working out why you're being distracted by the new thing. And in reality, mm -hmm. it will be a lack of belief in what you've got or a lack of belief in your ability to progress with the same thing. So we can get distracted uh, and blame it on, I've got to learn reels, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to be here. And in reality, like for one, I won't be doing reels, but it's the part of, does it actually matter to your business? Will it impact your client? Will it bring anything to your client to do these things? And if the answer is no, then why would you be doing it? Mm -hmm. Staying true to the core of your business. Who are you serving? What are you serving them with? What is the benefit to the purchaser, to the client, to anybody else? What brings you happiness from this? Stay in that lane. Be really clear on what that is. And as long as you keep showing up with that and accepting and expecting it go well, then you will find that you will continue down a very steady path to where you're going of structured growth rather than hopping around on everything, hoping to become viral or hoping for a short burst of business rather than a gradual sustainable growth period. Right. So is there a process to figuring out what it is that you want, like what it is underneath these sort of shiny objects or maybe like more superficial level goals that we're striving for? Like, how do we figure out what's beneath that? For the business, I'm always like, why did you start it? Realistically, what really drove you to do this thing? Uh, and what did you expect from it? What was it going to bring you? And then come back to why did you want that? Uh, and really dig in and ask yourself, because we can jump onto things because we think it will be successful. But what does success mean? Like narrow it down for me. Other people are doing it because it's heart-led and they really feel like I'm passionate about, I don't know, sewing. So it was really big for me to want to share these kits or these demonstrations, these illustrations. And then it's like, well, keep clear on that. Who is it for? Why do they want it? What benefit is there? What can you spread? Who are you talking to? I think with most businesses, they try to speak to everybody. And in that respect, you end up speaking to nobody. Whereas mm -hmm. people get really afraid of using their voice to speak their truth. Uh, when in fact, that will talk to a very narrowed down small audience who will be the right people to buy your product. Uh, and the smallest audience is the most engaged audience. So one of the things I've seen you talk a lot about, which re resonates with me very strongly and probably a lot of listeners is the idea of procrastination. Mm -hmm. Why do we procrastinate on things that we know that we want? Like, let's say we've gotten to this point of being like, we actually do know what is motivating us and what we care about. I find myself procrastinating on things that are really important to me that like are very aligned with what I want to do. And I just am not doing them. Why is that? It's avoidance. Avoidance because you don't have complete faith and trust in yourself to hold the thing that you want. So although mm -hmm. people get clear on their why uh, and are in alignment and are seeing the steps, they can avoid taking them because there is a fear of what will happen if we get what we said we wanted. Who will it impact? How will it change my life? Am I capable of holding that? So we may drag our feet or reduce it or turn the light off and not let everybody see us on the basis that we are worried what the outcome and the impact of having it is. Or we haven't prepared ourselves to be ready 
for that to be the thing that we're holding. So we haven't expanded into it or worked out what we're going to do with that outcome. We just knew we wanted it, but we don't know what we're going to do with it. So often procrastination is actually avoidance because if it is done and it's here, I'm not quite sure I know what to do with it. Right. Yeah, that brings up this idea for me of like the fear of success, which is something that for me was very unintuitive when I started out on this small business journey. People would talk about it and I'd be like, what? Why would anyone be afraid of succeeding? <laughs> what is that about? Like, what do we, what do you, what do we mean when we say being afraid of success and how, how could we start to get past that? Fear of success can often be the fear of the impact this will have on my life. And mm-hmm. often that fear is how will this impact other people in my life? Um, especially if your success might make somebody else that you love feel inadequate. If success is that a little bit of like, who am I to be this good? Who am I to do this well? If there's old family stories around uh, wealth or success, that might also be something that steers you off course because you know that people's opinions and the way that people have been spoke about that have done really well in the past is something that you don't want to be associated your name to them talking about you that way. Um, There's all sorts of reasons why we have a fear of success and it's not because we begrudge ourselves it, but we have a fear of what that outcome will bring or the impact it will have on other people. It get quite overwhelming to think if I did really, really well, even if that would alienate me from my friendship group, that might be something that would cause a problem with a partner. It might be something that would be difficult for, as I say, family members to be more successful than their parents. There's all sorts of reasons. And also the fear of holding that success and thinking, well, it was a hobby or it was a small business or it was a sideline. I'm not ready for it to be a big thing. I don't know how to hold it. I don't know how to grow it. I don't know what to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, fear that it will become bigger than them and they'll somehow lose it. Right. Yeah. Let's say I'm listening and I'm kind of seeing myself in some of the things you're saying. I, um, I procrastinate. I'm, I might be avoiding um, doing the work because I'm afraid of what comes next when the work is done. Or I just have this habit of constantly starting new projects that I don't finish. Is the only thing that needs to be done sort of fostering this awareness around, okay, like I see that I'm doing this. Let me get to the bottom of what I really want or how I really feel. Or are there practical action steps that people kind of need to take in order to to see it through once, even once this awareness has been found? Yeah. I mean, for business and personal goals, it's, it's narrow it down, know what you want, give it a time scale so that you can measure your progress and it's chunking it down. Like what you need to have done by each element and what is the actual step, knowing what's Mm -hmm. got to be done to take you where you're going and anything that's not that has to be left on a separate list. Like if I want to jump on these other things, I can only do it when I've reached where I'm going here. Having Mm -hmm. that plan and sticking to it so that you can't use the tactic of jumping on other things as a distraction tool to take you off of the path. Unless the thing that has come up has become more important and you can genuinely say, I'm going to abandon the first project to take on the second project because it is feeling 
like it's going to fulfill me more now or it has more urgency. But we have to break down what the goal is because if we just have the headline goal, we'll freeze. It feels like the top of the mountain. We need the daily small goals that we're going to achieve to get to the big goal. And we need to know what time scale, and it has to be realistic rather than trying to be overnight sensations. You know, what does six months look like? What does one year look like? What does year two look like? And only in year two can you progress further uh, and make the next plan because you've gone on that journey and you know more. And with that knowledge, you can create a better plan to move forward, to extend and expand into. Mm-hmm. But having the breakdown of what the small steps are and an agreement with yourself that if if you're somebody that follows the new thing and gets distracted easily from your goal, then the promise that you'll make the list, but you will not deviate to the other things until you are well on your path to your goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you just don't feel like doing what's on your list. Is that always a bad sign or is there part of this that sometimes is just like pushing through, like just do it even though you don't feel like it? Or is it more like if you're having this resistance to the things on your list, maybe what you thought you wanted isn't actually it? Resistance is normally a really good sign that you want it, but you're scared of it. Resistance Hmm. is normally the sign of you don't feel like you're adequate rather than you don't want it. And actually, if it's a business goal, you can't say, I don't feel like it. If you were employed by somebody, you wouldn't go in one day and go, I don't feel like that meeting. You'd plan up and do it. We have to transfer that commitment to ourselves and not treat our businesses um, as smaller just because they're ours. If you were at work and you had a list of things to do and you weren't in the mood, you would still do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of treating your business like a business, but it's also a matter of recognizing resistance is showing you where you fear your inadequacies are. Mm-hmm. Because if we didn't fear it for some reason, we'd just get on and do it. So part of it may be a resistance because you think you can't, you think it won't be as good as somebody else's. Um, you think it will say something about you or you're getting into the mode where you're treating your business as an extension of your personal life Mm -hmm. so that it can't be, I'm not in the mood. It's like, "Mm, it's my business. I'm showing up and it doesn't matter about my mood. It matters that I do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point that I think sometimes feels like it's maybe a little bit in conflict with some of the like follow your passion, like do what you love rhetoric out there around having your own business. Mm. It can't always be just what feels good in the moment or what sounds fun, even though I think that's what we kind of consciously or subconsciously imagine when we're, you know, in the before stages of, of going into a small business. I like your point about like treat it with the respect that you would treat your employer. Mm. Um, you know, when you were doing something, you probably enjoyed far less, like you still do the things you commit to. And I like that point that it's a disservice to your business, not to treat it with the same seriousness and respect. Completely. And even in jobs that we have loved for other people, we would go above and beyond for ourselves. Quite frequently, we tend to belittle. Um, or create around it excuses 
as to why we can't. And I say this to a lot of people, if you were employed right now and I'd set you this task, you would have A, done it. And if you didn't know how to do it, you'd have found out. Mm-hmm. When it's your own company, there is no excuse to go, but I'm not sure how to do that. So I'll just leave it. You go find out. You do exactly mm-hmm. what you would have done if you had to hand this in to that person that you treated with that respect. Like, I won't let you down. You're paying me to be here. Uh, especially in businesses where we're not earning initially in the beginning. It's got to be like, if I want to earn, I've got to show up like this is a paid job. I've got to show up every single day like I'm getting the salary that I want because the only way to create it is to treat this job with that respect. Mm-hmm. And not right. only that, but we can love our job. My job's my passion. I love it dearly. Does that mean that every single day there's things I want to do? No. No, (laughs) as you know, but to enable me to do something that I have passion for means that I have to show up even on the days when I don't feel like it. Right. Yeah, I like this idea of um, like over delivering. I think probably a lot of people who start their own business, they're like high achievers. They have a probably history of going above and beyond for their employer. Mm. And I think sometimes we can talk ourselves or we can think that that's what we're doing for our business because we're working long hours. You know, we're, I don't know, just always working on it. But for me, it's like a lot of the times when I kind of am telling myself I'm over delivering for myself, it's like I'm going on these kind of weird tangents like recently I spent many hours setting up new email signatures <laughs> really beautiful I have to say but like they are not they were not on my list and they're not um they're not like a direct tie to better business results or like the goals that I set out for myself initially so I I guess I'm just sort of having this moment right now of listening to you talk feeling like how do I have that same approach of over delivering, but make sure that what I'm delivering is what I said I would deliver, like not just kind of distracting myself with these other projects that make me feel like I'm getting stuff done, but they're actually not kind of what I need to be doing. (laughs) Definitely. And we we can all be guilty of it because it's, it's a nicer project and it feels special and it feels like it's us. But the reality is even for very small startups, is the leverage for the amount for the free hours say that I invest in setting up my email signature could I have outsourced this to somebody that would have done it in five minutes and Mm -hmm. what would I have achieved in those three hours why am I trying to be the expert of everything (laughs) when no business is I can't be every single role in my business so what's my skill set what do I bring to the table And how can I leverage that I use those skills to progress my business and the things that aren't my skills, instead of spending three hours trying to learn them, whose input do I take on board? So for me, certainly having a virtual assistant to do the things that would take me hours that take her two minutes is a great leverage. Paying somebody for an hour of their time to do something that would take six hours of my time makes total sense. And those six hours, I will progress my business with what I can leverage in the business. So being really clear on my boundaries, instead of trying to be the graphic designer, the web designer, you know, anything else that's there that may take me longer, I'm just like, right, let's get a quote. How long would this take somebody else? What would be the cost? 
what can I earn in that time? What can I invest in my business in that time from me? Because investing my time into something that realistically won't make the business any better is something I'm using to delay my ability to grow the business. I'm using it as a procrastination tool, even though it's work. Uh, And the same thing, if I was in a job and somebody said to me, I want you to go around and do everybody's email signature, that's great if that's what I do. If it's not what I do, why are you asking me to do it? (laughs) Yeah, we we have to just allocate that mindset of business into our business rather than treating it as so many people do uh, because they don't have set times to work. So because it merges into their evening or, you know, there's no – there's no framework to their day, then we can find ourselves spending three hours doing nothing and then working late into the night. So it's getting more um, boundaries around your time and boundaries around, especially if you're working from home, what you do in what hours uh, and having a check on that like you would in your working day. There's only so much time you have to get things done. So we are more productive. Like there's never been somebody more productive than the person the day before they go on holiday, before they mm-hmm. leave. You know, people can get so much done that they've spent a week looking at. It's treat your own business the same. Like have leave and know that you have to get stuff done. Treat your business in the same work in the frameworks of, you know, how can I make myself accountable for this? What can I do to bring accountability in? What am I doing to make sure that this stays my business and not my life? so that I can keep the passion for it. Yeah, I really like bringing up accountability. That's something, because I guess the sort of question on the tip of my tongue has been, what about the people, and maybe maybe you'll tell me this is a story that I have for myself, but what about the people who are not great at kind of showing up for themselves when it comes to like, oh, I set this deadline that I would complete this thing by X date. Well, X date came and the only person who knows if I don't do it is me because I work by myself. Um, So, oh, well, like I'll just move the date and the date kind of keeps getting moved. For me, one of the things that I have found really helpful with this is just having other people who who know about my deadlines and care about them somehow. Um, so just involving other people in the process, because I know that I show up for other people. Um, mm-hmm. What, what would you say about that? <laughs> Is that like, are some people just, do they kind of just need the involvement of others to be more, I guess, on top of self-imposed deadlines or is that just a story I'm telling myself and maybe need to work on. It can be a bit of both, but realistically, if we don't have accountability, i.e. I'm putting this on sale and my customers are aware mm-hmm. uh, and therefore I've got to show up for my customers. Otherwise I'm, I'm ghosting them. I'm telling them something's going to happen and then it never happens and I don't bring it up. So mm-hmm. I always declare everything through my customer base, the date it's going to be available, what's going to be available and how they can have access to it. So that I know I've got a deadline. I involve either I'll have a business coach at the time that will be working with me to see something through, or I will share it in a group of my friends and be like, I need you guys to be on top of me. I've said I'll do this um, and I need to be here or there by this time. Get people engaged, as you say, that care, whether that's your partner, your parents, your friends, um, anybody at all that's taking an interest that will cheer you on. 
rather than somebody that would take you off course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and realistically ask them to be involved to keep you accountable. Have notes in your diary. I, I literally keep a paper diary as well as my business diary for this purpose where I write in it every day what is non-negotiable for me to get done if I'm going to get to where I'm going on the deadline that I said I would. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. having to see that when I open my diary every morning it tends to be the okay, that's getting done first because it's not staring at me at six o'clock. So finding ways to offset your behavior, you know where you take yourself off course, you know where you would likely to distract yourself. Uh, Recently, like people have said to me that they know like week three is the week they fall off the wagon with things or that they start to get scared the week before uh, and back away. So when we know what our behavior traits are, is then to look at it and be like, right, how am I going to handle this when it comes up? Who's my accountability buddy? Who's the person that can speak to me that I listen to? Well, yeah, what notes could I make? What things could be in place? I have timers on my phone, um, literally, that are just, I might set myself half an hour, and in that time, I cannot deviate from the task in hand. So there's a 30-minute timer on my phone. I can't pick it up before it goes off. I don't look at anything else. I just do the job in hand. How can you handle your productivity? on anything to make sure that when you come up against yourself, you have a way to tackle it. Yeah. I really love the point of being conscious to, you said that you use the words, know where you fall down. So because when you have your own business, you wear all the hats. Mm-hmm. I think I had this idea that I needed to be good at everything. And so I guess I just sort of had this philosophy of, you know, I just need to figure it out. Like I, I miss my deadlines to myself. Okay. I just need to get better at that. But maybe that's just a blind spot I have. And knowing about this blind spot is more helpful because I can plan around it and get accountability with other people than just like constantly expecting that I'm going to do it differently in the future when that's not kind of the evidence I have. So Exactly. And it's that matter of if we do the same thing, we're going to have the same results because we will take us. Our brain is so heavily geared to proving us right that it will go out of its way to take you off course at the exact moment that you knew you would. And it will stop you in your tracks the way that you knew it would. You know, our brains mm-hmm. are very much repetitive creatures. They would do the same thing on repeat. So learning your patterns and having a handle on them and the a plan on what you're going to do when that comes up serves you well. And we can't be an expert at everything in our business. So releasing the expectation that you're going to be an IT wizard, a graphics wizard, a salesperson, the CEO, the cleaner and team maker is exhausting before we start. It's exhausting. So it's just like, actually, I don't mind making my own brews. But in reality, I need help when it comes to the IT because it's exhausting and I don't know. Whether that's joining mastermind groups, whether that's joining Facebook groups where people share ideas, whether that's uh, going to a local co-working space and getting involved with people so that you can maybe share and exchange your talents. If finances is the issue in year one, then there's so many ways and means to get help and to get a team as such around you of people that are in the same position that want the same support it's just going out of your way to find it uh, and making sure that you show up for it Mm -hmm. so good 
One of the other things I've heard you talking about is overthinking. And I think when you work for yourself and you kind of work with yourself most of the day, overthinking is something that we can fall into really easily. What impact does overthinking have on on the results that we see, on our ability to meet our goals? And how can we kind of, I mean, I'm assuming that your response is to, to overthink, like to stop overthinking somehow. How do we do that? <laughs> well, it's difficult. We can't stop overthinking because the brain is set to try to work out the outcome. The way that the mm-hmm. mind works is to work out the outcome. It wants to know if you're in danger or not. And until it knows, it will run through a million scenarios. But overthinking is imagination. So let's not actually call it thinking. It is your imagination running wild. And it's because there's a lack of clarity. It's guesswork. It's because you're keeping the conversation in your head, which is the only time that overthinking can breed. And the reason we don't do it perhaps in a team environment is because we say it out loud and somebody answers it and we get the answers. Overthinking requires that. It requires you to get it out of your head, whether that's writing it down, getting some clarity around it, getting advice. If it's ringing somebody and again, sharing it so somebody can say, that's ridiculous. Um, Or have you heard of this? Have you not seen this? Let me send you this. Um, It's a lack of clarity and it's keeping it in your mind. When it's in our mind, then the unconscious and the ego side of our brain can take it and run with it but it is fictional made up information so with overthinking the best thing to do is even get it on paper looking at it and then looking at that version of events you have made up and see what other version of events could be possible or whose input or expertise you would need for this not to be the case Mm mm-hmm But it's, yeah, get it out of your head and get it into a verbal or a written form because you will get answers. In your head, it is constantly looking for the next point of clarity and it won't get it. Yeah, that's, I like what you said. Um, It's it's not thinking, it's imagination. I have always remembered this quote. I think it's Einstein or said to be Einstein. I'm not sure who, but um, the quote is, what is it? Worry is the imagination used for the wrong purpose. Mm. And I like, I like the the word imagination for this because it just kind of brings up the fact that like, you're literally inventing these things. Like they are not, it's not rational. You're just, you're coming up with like possible worst case scenarios. And um, like, you're really using your creative mind to do this. It's not, it's not like a, just because you have the thought doesn't mean it has any connection to truth or reality. So I love that point. Yeah, exactly. And over, overthinking is imagination. You could use that as your superpower. So it's just like, how do you want to overthink this? Which version of events do you want to run with? Uh, and where are you storing it? Because when we store it in our head, it gets really confused. If we put it on paper or verbalize it again, we get clarity and that's what it's looking for. So good. My experience is the same that when you start writing things down, it just, it takes some of the scariness out of it, whatever it is. If it's like, I have so much to do. I'm like, I'll never get it all done. Once you start writing it down, that kind of creates some clarity for yourself. Um, Do you have any, uh, do you have other practices that you suggest to your clients when it comes to 
just all of the work you do around, around completing what you start around mindset, around showing up for yourself and, um, tackling procrastination, all of these sort of big, tough topics that a lot of us in small business struggle with. Are there other practices aside from writing and kind of connecting with other people that you would suggest? The majority of people, I mean, I'm a personal coach, not a business coach, but the majority of people that I work with need to get to know themselves and they refuse it. So Mm. there's lots of labels we give ourselves as perfectionists, um, procrastinator, all of the things that we can bring in and suddenly self-label. My biggest tip is the presenting problem is never the problem. It is never the problem. So whatever you're avoiding is not the issue. Whatever you keep doing on repeat is not the issue. Get to know yourself. Get to know your patterns. Find out what your biggest fear is. Work around these things because then everything else becomes really easy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of practical tips, but in reality, the strongest one is stop avoiding getting to know yourself because that is fundamentally what gets in your own way. Find out who you are what you stand for, what you want, what you're passionate about, what you believe in, what you believe is possible for you, uh, and then start working on that because other things become really simple as an outcome. Man, so much good stuff in this. I feel like I'm going to need to re-listen to it just to make sure (laughs) I absorb everything. Um, I'm going to move on to a couple of the questions that we wrap up with. Yeah. Um, The first one is, what is one business you admire? And I'm going to give you an answer that's not one business, but every single one of them, every single one of them, because it takes so much guts to start a business, whether that's a massive chain or a small one person business in year one or in year 50, it took guts to show up and do it. But the people I admire are the people that are their business. So when it is just you, And you are there being the face of it. You are there hand wrapping something to send it out. You are totally invested in every customer that you see. It takes an awful lot of courage to be you in your business. And Mm -hmm. I have so much admiration for anybody that starts one, gets involved with one and starts to put their heart into it because it really does mean something. It always takes courage. That's a great answer. (laughs) Um, what is one book that you would recommend? A book that I reread at least once a year, every year, and that's The Four Agreements. Hmm. Simple, very simple. And it is fundamentally, if you can put those in place, you will make a huge impact to your life. Hmm. I think I've picked it up, but I'm not sure I've ever read it. So I'm adding it to my list. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's one that I come back to time and time again, but it's one that's very simple. It's really easy to read, um, but it fundamentally has life-changing four agreements in it. Awesome. Finally, where can the listeners connect with you, learn about your work, get in touch? Uh, the best place is Instagram. Uh, at the completion coach and also my website, which is linked on the Instagram, but the completion coach.co.uk. Both of those, I always get back to people. I always respond to the DMs, Instagram, obviously you can get to know me a bit better. I'm always on the stories. Yeah. Those are my two main places to come and find me. Yay. Perfect. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like this topic is 
just exactly what I'm going to need in early January and what all the listeners are going to need. So um, thank you for all the just magic and gems of wisdom that you shared. I think this is going to be a great episode for people. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I loved listening back through this conversation to edit and to give myself a refresher on all of the amazing wisdom that Wendy shared. Here are some of my biggest takeaways. When it comes to starting what we finish, the most important first step is to really get to know ourselves and our patterns. I learned that resistance is normally a sign that you want the thing that you're resisting, but also that you're scared of it. I learned that we have to be as committed and respectful of tasks and deadlines in our businesses as we would be to an employer. I learned that one way to get stuff done is to find ways to make ourselves accountable by declaring things publicly. I liked how Wendy said that overthinking is letting our imagination run wild. We shouldn't really call it thinking. And finally, when we're resisting doing something, most of the time, there's really something behind it that we need to look at. You can find links and resources from the episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 44. I know Wendy and I would both love to hear from you. You can find Wendy at The Completion Coach on Instagram and me at Lauren Tilden. And note, I have a new Instagram. I am no longer using the at Making Good Podcast Instagram. So all things making good can be found at Lauren Tilden, L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N. I would also love to invite you to come hang out in the Facebook group for this podcast. I would love to chat with you there. It's called the Good Business Community, and you can be redirected to it by going to makinggoodpodcast.com slash community. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.